Good morning, good morning, good morning. Man, it is a glorious day. Hallelujah. Um, those of you working at, uh, watching at home, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, everybody here, thank you as well. We are so excited to be here this morning, and uh, God has given me a very special message um, uh, today that I am excited to give, partially for, for two reasons. Number one, um, it's one of my favorites uh, that, that God's ever given me, but also because the inspiration comes from my father, um, who uh, at one point was a pastor and... Um, it was one of the, it's based on one of the favorite messages he gave. Um, and he always talks about it. It's funny, we be, we'll be talking about it. And he's like, you know, my favorite message is, is, is this. Now, it's not exactly the same message, um, it, but, but because he didn't have the notes, so I couldn't copy. So I had to let God give me fresh uh, for this. And I'm excited about it, though, because um, this message focuses on how God can use anyone. Um, and it is, uh, it, it, is, it is truly good for this uh, particular series of Anything is Possible because it talks about how anything is possible because God can use anyone no matter what. So today's message is called, If God Can Use an Ass Like Me. Some people are blushing a little bit, I'm sure, um, you know. Um, somebody being like, he said ass in church. Um, I promise you I'm talking about a donkey. Um, uh, but some, some other people might not agree. Uh, but, um, but some of you may already know where this comes from in the Bible. Um, and, and it's actually, the, interestingly enough, this is the second and final time that an animal speaks in the Bible, this, this comes from. And, of course, this is, the first is, is the serpent in the garden, and the second is Balaam's ass or donkey. Um, so what I want to get into really quick, because this is a really long Bible story. Um, it, it spans between three and four chapters of, of the book of Numbers, and I don't want to sit here and read all of that. So I summarized a little bit for you. Going in, we're going to go, then we'll go into the actual scripture that I'm focusing on today, and I'll give you a little bit of a summary of what happened afterwards. But, so basically what happened in this story, and we're, and it's, it, we're, we're looking at Numbers 22, starting in Numbers 22, um, and uh, basically what's happened is, is Israel um, has just defeated the Ammonites, right? They have killed the king and are now occupying the land. Um, of the Ammonites. So, Balak, the king of the Moabites, which is right next to Ammon, are sitting there, is sitting there, and they get pretty scared. And actually, let's look at Numbers 2, uh, 22, 2 through 3, and it says, Balak, son of Zippor, learned of all that Israel had done to the Amorites, Ammonites. Sorry. The people of Moab were in total panic because of Israel. There were so many of them, they were terrorized. So this is from the message translation, and it kind of tells us that, that they were really scared. They were really not happy about what was headed their way. And the, the king of the Moabites does is he sends for Balaam. And Balaam is this, is this guy who is kind of the fix-all for kings in these areas. 
Um, Balaam is a prophet of God, but he is not the normal prophet of God. Um, he's not your normal uh, Old Testament guy at all. Actually, Balaam is, is, is an occultist and a soothsayer. He actually practices witchcraft, and he talks to all guys. He kind of all, he's kind of like a free agent. He's kind of like, for those of you who have been binge-watching Hamilton for the last couple weeks, it's kind of like the Aaron Burr guy, you know? Talk less, smile more. Don't let anybody know what you are, what you're, what you're for and what you're not, and stuff like that. And the, and the thing is with that is that Balaam, he just kind of wanted to go with whatever God, big G or little g, that kind of got him where he wanted to go. So Balaam was kind of this free agent, and so Balak, the king, sends all or a whole bunch of his princes and important emissaries, and they send them to go get Balaam. And they get there, and, and they ask Balaam, and Balaam says, I need to go ask God. And so he goes off, and he asks God, and God says, yeah, you're not going to go because I don't want you to curse uh, the, the, the Israelites. Balaam says, tells them, no, they go away. Um, go back to Balak. Balak says, no, that's not okay. And he sends even more princes and emissaries and a larger embassy of people. And when he does that, um, they ask him again, and Balaam goes, hey, let me go ask God one more time. I mean, he said no the first time, but, you know, maybe he changed his mind or something. So he goes back, and he gets with God, and that's where we're going to start out. And I'm going to start out in the Jubilee 2000 translation just because it has a very, some very specific things that I want to make sure we point out. Um, a lot of translations don't point these things out, um, and I think they're important. So in the Jubilee uh, 2000 version, um, Numbers 22 20 through 21, it says, And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to, to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou shalt thou do, that, that shalt thou do. So Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his female ass and went with the princes of Moab. Now, many translations here actually just use the term ass or donkey. They don't put the, what I feel like is a very important part of this, the female part in there. Because, you know, we know that in, in, in the Old Testament, details mattered. They mattered a lot in what was said and what was done. So it very specifically says in the original Hebrew, Hebrew that this is a female donkey. So why is that important? Well, many theologians can't figure out really why that is the case. Um, you know, I, 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 as I was studying, I wondered if maybe, because it, it actually says she ass, I wondered if maybe he ass was just redundant or what it was. But the, 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 the case is, is that I think this is why it's important. It's important because in this story, there are every type, gender, Everything of a person, species, whatever it is, in this story are being used by God. So I feel like that, that what, the reason why it was important that the donkey was female was just to make sure that all genders were included in this story. That all species were included in this story. God uses an angel, an occultist, a female donkey, and he... I, that's what I think it is. I think God really just wanted us to understand that he can use anyone without respect to anything. 
20s. Moving on, in, we're going to go back to the NKJV because uh, it, it makes more sense when you're reading it. Um, Numbers, 22, 20, Numbers 22, 22 through 35 says, Then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding, as, and he was riding on his donkey. And his two servants were with him. Now the donkey said to the angel of the Lord, standing in the, in the way, with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey. He beat the donkey. Let's be very clear. He beat the donkey. Um, he struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Again, beat her. The Lord then opened the mouth of the donkey. Okay, so just so you know, Shrek was not the first talking donkey. It was this one. I mean, uh, the donkey in Shrek was not the first talking donkey. It was this one. And he said, and she said, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, and interestingly enough, Balaam wasn't really shocked by this. He was just kind of like, oh, a talking donkey. Makes sense. And he said, because you have abused me. I wish there, was, there were a sword in my hand, for now I will kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden since I became yours to this day? Was I ever, was I ever disposed to, you, to do this to you? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head, and he fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come to you, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have killed you now and let her live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I, do, I did not know you stood, stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it, if it displeases you, I will turn back. Then the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that you shall speak to them. So Balaam went with the princes about to Balak. So, in interest of time, let me finish the rest. Basically what happened, Balak's go, uh, uh, Balaam goes and sees Balak. Balak takes him to all these different vantage points and tries to get him to curse the Israelites. It doesn't work because God tells Balaam to to bless them instead of curse them. And that's what happens several times. And then what ended up happening is uh, Balak just wants to send Balaam away because he, all he wants to do is bless the people that he wants him to curse. Um, and I'd like to say that was the end of it and say that Balaam like, became this really great prophet and he did all these great things. But that's not what happened. He actually ended up telling Balak that if he um, tempted the Israelites with... Um, with prostitutes and forbidden food, that, that he could get God against them, and then, then he could get them cursed. And then Balaam eventually, uh, along with Balak, were, were killed by the Israelites. Um, 
And Balaam wanted to become a free agent. As a matter of fact, Balaam is used multiple times in the New Testament as a what not to be or who not to be. And, um, and, this, and of course, this isn't the last time God used someone who wasn't the greatest person and became uh, and didn't have a great future, um, i.e. Judas. Um, so, but the miracle in this story is not about the donkey talking. It's not about that it's a female donkey or that it's um, uh, that, that Balaam was an occultist and um, he, God worked through him. It wasn't just all that altogether. What it, what, what, it, what, it, what it is and the miracle is, is it shows us that no matter your past, no matter your future, no matter your gender, no matter your species, none of that matters. What matters is this, and this is the main point today. God can and will use whoever, whatever, whenever. No matter what, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done in your past, what you still may do in your future, or even where you are in your present, God can and will use you. If your desire is to follow God, if your desire is to follow God, to find out his path for you, you can do that. You can, this story tells us we can figure it out, and we can, and we can work for God regardless of what we've done, no matter what. You know, many may be lost in this idea of that they aren't worthy, that they aren't, they can't be used, they can't be um, a, a tool uh, for God. So, because, because they, they may have done something that, that, that people, are, or made bad decisions, or, or, or did drugs, or did whatever. And I'm, I'm here to tell you one thing. You are worthy, and you, and God loves you, and he wants you to follow his path. He wants to help you to be able to follow his path. You know, I've been there. I'm, I, honestly, I'm kind of still there. I have moments where I'm not quite sure what to do next and whether I am worthy sometimes. But then I remember this story, and I remember that every single time, no matter what, God loves me, and he wants me. And he wants to use me to do some amazing things. So here are some practical things that I learned in how to figure out this process and how to become kind of open to God and how to get and how to connect with God so that you can be able to be used in this way. And the first one is to pray. Pray, 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 pray. Constantly pray. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6 that we, we need to come to God with prayer and supplication in order to be able to, prayer and supplication in order to be able to, could you, could you put that slide up? Thanks. That's what I was trying to get to. Um, and in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5.17 and 1 Chronicles 16.11, it says to pray without seeking. You know, it's funny, I, I keep uh, uh, I, I, I talk to people, and they tell me, you know, I'm not hearing from God. I'm not, I, I haven't heard, I only hear from God on Sunday, or I only hear from God in this time or that time. And the question that I always want to ask them is, is, well, are you asking him? Are you talking to him? Are you actually praying with him all week long, or are you just waiting till Sunday? Because if you're just waiting till Sunday, that's not the way it was meant to be done. The Bible says to pray without seeking, ceasing. 
If you, and in James 4, 4, it says you do not have because you do not ask. So in order to be able to get that response, to get what you're looking for, or to find out the answer to what God wants to do, you have to ask first. So the first step in this is you need to get with God. You need to pray for him. And you can pray anytime. You know, uh, you don't have to close your eyes to pray. You can pray on your drive to work. You can pray on your drive home to work. You can pray on your drive to lunch. You can pray over lunch. You can do whatever you want to. You can pray anytime you want to. Now, I'm not saying go and pray whether you should go on green or anything like that while you're driving. I'm just saying you can get deep with God no matter what. Turn on some worship music in the car. You can do it. So the first step is pray, but the second step is even more important because if you don't do this, if you don't do this, if you don't listen and look for the signs or God to respond, then you won't know that he responded in the first place, right? It can come from anywhere. It can be as simple as God straight up just saying, hey, yeah, this is what you need to do. Or it could just be a door opening. It could be um, a, a job offer. It could be anything. Who knows what that is? But you need to listen and look for God's answer. You may not always like the response, but you need to listen for his answer. God always responds when you ask. Always responds. But we, remember, but we also need to remember that God will only respond according to his will. You know, we like to use all those verses that say things like, if you ask, you shall receive, and, and, and on and on and on. But what we forget is, is around those same areas, and in, sometimes in those same verses or the second part of that verse or the very next verse, it very specifically will say things like, in John 5, 14, according to his will, or... James 4, 3, God's will, not yours. God will respond to you according to his will. And we need to be willing to, to accept whatever answer it is. As the great philosopher Garth Brooks said, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. But I contend Garth was slightly wrong here because it's not an unanswered prayer. God answered the prayer. He just may not have answered it the way you wanted him to. But when you get that answer, then what do you do? You have to respond. That's the next step. You have to respond. And you, and you need to go a little bit further. Not just respond. Respond exactly how God wants you to. In our story today, we see this exemplified in why God gets angry with Balaam for going. You know, this sometimes is used as an example, the part where, where, where it talks about, ba where ba you know, God tells Balaam to go the night before, then he gets up the next morning and goes, and then God's angry because he went. That it is, is God uh, contradicting himself. People try to use it as that. But that's actually not what happened. If we look at the actual story. So let's look at the Jubilee translation one more time. It says, And God came unto Balaam, at night, and said unto him, and this underlined part is important, if the men come to call thee, okay, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go to them. But yet the word which I shall, and let's actually move to the next verse, because this is, this is the important part. So Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his female ass. 
So my question is, is, or basically what we're looking at here is there's a couple things that there's something that happened here. God said if they come to call you, but it doesn't say the people came to call him that morning. It just says Balaam jumped up and went. It could have been just left out, but it appears that the men did not call for Balaam, and he just took God's permission and actively went. Kind of like, you know, your kid, when they ask you something, and they ask you like three or four times, and you say, well, maybe, or you should go, you can go only if this happens, and then the kid just says, oh, that meant they said yes, and then just goes and does it. Yeah, so that's, that's kind of what happened here. So God was probably a bit angry because, also because, he also told Balaam the first time he asked, do not go. He said, no, I don't want you to go. Well, then Balaam went back and asked him because Balaam just thought he could negotiate with God. He thought maybe if he went back that second time and asked him, he'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, go curse the Israelites. That's fine this time. This was Balaam's MO. This is how he operated. It's how he worked with other gods, as I mentioned before. He thought what God wanted could be manipulated to his will. But God sends the angel to make sure that Balaam understands this is a completely different situation. You're not dealing with a little G God. You're dealing with the God. He wanted, to, he wanted Balaam to know this time was different, that it was talking donkey and angel in your way different. And folks, God always knows your heart, and you cannot hide it from him. You can't be like, oh, I'll tell God that I'm going to go do this, but I'm going to really do it for this reason, not the reason he wants me to. But he's, that doesn't work. You can't do that. He, God knows your heart. So Balaam wasn't mad because he went. He was mad because he knew what Balaam intended to do, that Balaam intended to go and try and negotiate while he was there to get God to do what he and Balak wanted to do. Balaam wanted to do it for the financial stuff. He was going to get a lot of money and riches for doing this. That's why Balaam wanted to do it. So God knew his heart. I mean, we all do this, by the way, don't we? You know, we're, we're, we're praying with God, and God says, hey, I want you to do something, or I don't want you to do something, or whatever, and you go, hey, hey, God, you know, if you do this for me, if you get me that girl, or you get me that job, or you get me that winning lottery ticket, or whatever, then I'll do what you're asking me to do. I'm sorry, that doesn't work. That's not the way God operates. God doesn't negotiate. It's, we have to go according to his will. So, but some of you may be asking right now, you know, what can I do? How do I know if I'm following God exactly? How do I know? Well, that's, that's, that's pretty much what the, this whole story is about. You have to watch for those roadblocks and confirmations in your life. You have to pay attention and look for those donkeys and angels. It can be hard to tell exactly whether they are coming, whether they are coming from God to stop you from making a mistake or simply an enemy trying to stop you. And the enemy will try and stop you. It, it, the enemy will try and take you off track. Remember, in this story, I, I told you that Balak, once, once Balaam got there, Balak actually took Balaam to multiple 
a lot. There's a bunch of them. That's the reason why this thing spans so many chapters. He took them to a bunch of overlooks because he thought, because Balak thought maybe if he could just get Balaam to have a different viewpoint, that he could change God's mind, but he could not do that because that's not how it works. The enemy will take you to every viewpoint he can possibly take you to throw you off track. Sometimes, sadly, the enemy will win, and you will make the bad decisions that he's trying to get you to make. Balaam telling Balak to use prostitutes and forbidden food to tempt Israelites into angering God, I mean, that's, that, that, is, that is the enemy winning. But the way that you discern whether it's the enemy or whether it's God putting roadblocks in your way is simple. You follow all four of these steps that we've just talked about. You start praying again, and you ask God if you're doing the right thing, and you wait and you listen again, and then you also um, respond after you've heard. But the thing is, is God will also show you confirmations. And, And let me tell you a little bit about what's going, you know, in the last two years, I've had a pretty rough time. I've gone through a lot. You know, I've had, um, for really unknown reasons, I've had a lot of friends who've just said, hey, I'm not going to respond to you or talk to you. Or for, for, every, uh, for the younger generation, they've ghosted me. Um, I have had job issues. I've had loss of family. I, I've gone through a divorce. And I've really lost control of a lot of my life because... Things just weren't going the way that I had planned. But I've known I've been called to ministry for a really long time. And when all the stuff above started to happen, though, I heard God tell me it was time. Which kind of floored me a little bit because, you know, when you talk to, when I talk to mentors, when I talk to some pastors, their, their responses were, you know, you, you should wait. Others said, you're hurting and going through a lot, so you, sh- you shouldn't, shouldn't do it quite yet. You're not ready. But here's the kicker, guys. God said now. He didn't say later. He didn't say wait for this or wait for that. He said now. So then I met with Fred. And God was also telling him that for prevail, the time was now. And then... As a leadership team, we went to Elevation Church just to visit. We all go up there. We get to Charlotte. We get to, um, to Ballantyne, and we're in our hotel, and we find out not only is it their 13th anniversary, but Bishop T.D. Jakes is going to be speaking that night or that morning. So we get up early, and we go wait in line, and we get in there, and we're all sitting there. So remember, God has said, now to me. He's saying, now to Fred. And we're sitting there, and the entire message that Bishop Jakes was preaching was based on something his grandmother told him. And this is what she said. I'm going to do my best impression. If I were you, I wouldn't wait too long. So here we are. Confirmations come from everywhere. They come from, from, from God. They come from friends that you talk to about something you're going to do. And they come from people like Bishop T.D. Jakes. 
standing up on that stage and saying, the time is now. God said now and God said, I am ready. Through all of everything that's happened above, I have come to a place of understanding about God's purpose for my life. And you can too. You just need to follow the steps that I've given you above to pray, to listen, to respond, and to watch for those roadblocks and confirmations. And do it in a constant cycle. And you will get there. And anytime you feel like you can't or something you've done or been around will stop you, remember this story. Remember this miracle. Remember a donkey talked. Remember God used a, a person who did witchcraft. Remember that God can and will use whoever, whatever, whenever. Personally, with, reg with regards to my story, I know God was just, I, I, I believe now, that God was just trying to strip me of all the control that I had on my life. I liked to be in control. And he wanted me to be able to rely fully on him in this process. And as many people I will tell you, I know, I know, as many people I know will tell you, I'm a little stubborn like an ass or a donkey, whatever you want to call it. I like to be in control, and I like to know where I'm going. But God had to put me in my place. He had to make it where I had to rely on him for what we're doing in order to put me in a place to stand right here and talk to you. He had to show me that he was in control and that I wasn't. And if God can use me, a broken person dealing with stuff, even till this very day, he can use you. Today, he has me on a mission. I'm still not perfect. And I'm dealing with stuff. Folks, God can and will Use whoever, whatever, whenever. If he can use a female donkey, he can use you. If he can use a soothsayer, a cultist, he can use you. And if God can use an ass like me, he can use you. And anytime you find yourself down on that, just remember the lyrics to the song that is the basis of this series. Show me one thing he can't do. Show me a mountain he can't move. He is the God of the breakthrough. And anything, anything is possible. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail.